In Jeremiah 12:5, God challenges Jeremiah, If you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? Hello, this is Norman. Hi, I'm Susan. Welcome to Run With Horses. Today, we want to continue the discussion we started last time we on... Yes, we oh, want to okay. continue. <laughs> we started talking about some uh, random thoughts from the National Disciple Makers Forum in Indianapolis, Indiana, 2023. So I took a whole bunch of notes, and I'm not going to use them all here. I'm not going to go through everything. I think I had eight or nine pages of notes. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. But... I want to kind of go through some of the thoughts that didn't fit somewhere else, or maybe they fit somewhere else, but I wanted to uh, throw them in again here anyway. So we did half of them last time. Hopefully we'll get through the other half today. And some of these I think are really, really good. Really, really good. I think we said that last Let's time. Let's not go back into that. <laughs> so the first one we'll look at today is don't count people out or prejudge who is capable or who will respond when you're thinking about discipling someone. And I think the idea here is often we look at the people around us and we kind of, we want to judge where we think they're at and, oh, I don't think they're ready or I don't think they would be interested and things like that. And the encouragement was, don't do that. Look at the people around you and you you really want everyone to be involved in some kind of disciple-making relationship. And don't assume that you know who is capable of growing to the point of being able to disciple someone else. So there is the Second Timothy 2 two teach these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You are looking for people like that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't people who might grow to that point. So the, the goal is not to judge people without giving them a chance. So offer lots of people the opportunity to be engaged in being discipled and Offer them the opportunity to disciple someone else if they grow. Yeah, I know it's, I, I'm guilty of that too. You think, who are the faithful people? And maybe that's another discussion we might have talked about before. But, you know, it's maybe the same people you see at church every week. And the ones who come on Wednesday nights, those seem to be more faithful in some in some concept of the word. But even amongst those smaller groups of people, it's easy to overlook like, well, that one doesn't seem to have as much potential as this one or something like that. Yeah, we tend to, to judge people. Even though we know we're not supposed to judge people, we tend to judge everybody all the time. That just is the way that we we think of it. But when we think about disciple-making, discipleship in particular, that broader picture of what it means to be a disciple and follower of Jesus, it's for everybody. It's not just for mature believers. You really want everyone to have an opportunity to be engaged. So the question maybe to ask is, who is around me right now? And who could I uh, engage with at some level? And part of this, I think, is broadening our understanding of what disciple making is and what this process of discipleship is. There are a lot of different parts. And I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it, I, I have this picture of what it means to be a disciple maker. And I think, well, these are all these different parts that are involved, but you don't go through all of these things with everybody all the time. So sometimes you're more of a coach where you're maybe teaching a little bit and then having them do it and then correcting. Sometimes you're more of a teacher, just giving information. 
Sometimes you're really like a librarian. You're, to give someone a resource is what they need at the time. That is part of the process of disciple making if that's what they need where they are right now. So mentoring is part of that. You know, there's all these different areas that are technically under what I would say is disciple making, under discipleship. And too often we feel like, well, I can't do it because it's, I can't do what I see this person doing. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry about what they're doing. Worry about what you're supposed to do. What is your gifting? Maybe that's to be an encourager. Well, encouragement is part of discipleship. It's part of disciple making. Do be intentional and encourage people toward the right things. You just don't want people to feel better about themselves. You want them to be on a path toward God and be encouraged to do and say the right things and to be the right person. So be intentional in your encouragement. And, okay, now it fits under disciple-making. So think about your gifts and how they contribute to someone else's spiritual growth. And you're probably in a good place to say, well, I am doing some things that are at least contributing to someone else's spiritual growth, which is Mm disciple-making. Yeah, I, maybe it's good, too, to not let yourself fall into, like, well, my gift is encouragement, so that's all I'm going to do, and I'm never going to try anything else, which mm-hmm. that could be a pitfall as well. Yeah, I think sometimes we we assume that we just can't do it, so we don't try. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing what you can do when you try. This one's comfortable to me, so I'll do that one. Right. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. We mm-hmm. have the things that we've learned, and we're comfortable with what we've learned so far, and we don't really want to learn anymore. <laughs> but I think that's part of being a, a, a follower of Jesus. You understand part of this process is you're going to keep learning. You're going to keep growing. You're going to keep facing things that you haven't faced before. Uh, it is just a challenge. And that's okay. And there'll be things you're not good at. And that's okay too. But sometimes your uh, low level of ability at this thing is exactly what someone else needs. They're not threatened by someone who's perfect at it. They see you bumbling along and trying, and they go, well, I can do at least as good as they're doing. And, hey, that's success. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think that often. Um, I know when we were in Japan and we're thinking about ministry, and it's like, you know, I always wish that Japanese would do some of these things that I was trying to do and miserably failing at because my language is not there. So, well, they don't have the language problem. So even if they do it at a lower level, they don't have the language issues, which means it's going to be understood better. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't assume that you can't do it. Give it a try. You know, think about all the different things that someone might might need, might could be encouraged by, might could be helped by, and just try. That goes back to what we talked about last time. It's kind of the do something. Mm-hmm. So, the next thing that we want to kind of think about is in our own spiritual life, are you a disciple worth reproducing? And when I heard them say this question, I go, ooh, that one could be ouch. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and I think the way that the guy worded it was, if everybody was like you, if you were reproducing disciples exactly like you, who had your same strength and weaknesses, are you worth reproducing? Like, wow. hmm." (laughs) So, the motivation here really is to examine ourselves, to be doing some kind of personal evaluation and ask, how am I doing and am I still growing? Because sometimes we get to the point where we are helping someone else in some area and we feel like, well, at least I'm doing something. So then we stop worrying about ourselves instead of continuing to grow and should always want to continue to grow and be more like Jesus. So to be a disciple worth reproducing, part of that is being a disciple who is not satisfied with where you are, but continually pursuing Christ-likeness. So 
to do self-evaluations, I think is valuable. In our church in Japan, we did that. I uh, usually try, try to do it twice a year, where you're asking some questions. Some of it is about the basics. You know, Where are you in the basics of the spiritual life in following Christ? How are you doing in your Bible study? How are you doing in your prayer life? How are you doing in your relationship with the church and just carrying out the basic one another's in the church family? Um, are you intentionally pursuing Jesus? Are you just kind of hoping that you grow over time because you're in the presence of greatness when you go to church? I'm not sure how you think of that. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Um, you know, spiritually, do you have strengths? Do you have weaknesses? Do you have strengths you need to play to and use more? Maybe you should be serving more in those areas. Do you have weaknesses that really are hindering you that you should just contribute some extra time and effort and uh, maybe look for a mentor yourself. You know, don't feel like you're you're done just because you're able to help someone else and you're actually making disciples. You still need to grow. So sometimes you still need to be discipled in an area. So do you have a weakness that you really need to grow in? Find somebody to help you. Ask them, hey, would you meet with me and, and help me to grow in this area? And in part of the um, the goal of being a disciple worth re- reproducing is, are you asking these kinds of questions? You know, are you um, pursuing Jesus? And I think all these kinds of questions are part of what that looks like. It's saying, I do see Jesus and see uh, how he lived, what was important to him. And I look at myself and I see that I'm not there. So I do want to change. And I'm willing to do some things to try to change. And you, it's not that you can do it yourself, but you're intentionally recognizing, saying, God, I want to open up this area of my life and say, God, change me. The third one, don't pre-filter. And this was kind of similar to the first one. Where I said, don't prejudge people, but don't pre-filter. Train everyone and then coach those who put it into practice. And I really liked uh, the way that, that this was put because... You really want to give everyone a chance to respond to the gospel, to give everyone a chance to respond to an invitation to be involved in disciple-making and discipleship. So train everyone how to do it. So an example of this might be in a church where you have on a, a Sunday night or Sunday morning, you have a, a time where you teach a basic, um, you know, the three circles evangelism method or you know the bridge, you know, something. You pick out some kind of evangelism method and you teach your church and give everyone the training. Well, some people are actually going to use that and come back with questions and say, hey, I, I, I was going through this, and this person asked this question. I didn't know what to do. Awesome. Okay, now you're, you're able to coach the person who's putting it into practice. So the people who put it into practice are the ones who really have earned a lot of extra time, a lot of extra um, effort on your part because they're making efforts. They're being intentional about it. Some people are going to listen to it and go, eh, and they're not going to try. Well, I mean, yeah, you can still encourage them to try, but they don't need extra coaching. They're not they're not attempting it. Uh, same thing with teaching. You can go through with your church and you could offer a class on teaching, uh, leading a small group, and then how to start a small group. Some people might actually start one. Okay, now you, you can coach them as they do that. They'll have questions and help them to be a better teacher, help them to be a better small group leader. Some people are just not even going to attempt it. Okay, they don't need extra coaching. They might need a kick in the pants. They might need some extra encouragement to try. They might be just afraid that they're not able to do it. So they, they might need some other things. But the ones who respond and apply it, then you, you coach them. You, you come alongside, and that's really where the heart of disciple-making is. You're, you're helping them walk toward Jesus and learn and grow 
and their ability to serve in this way. So don't pre-filter and assume you know who's going to respond. Offer that kind of training, the basic get started to everybody and see who responds and then uh, work with it and, and, and coach those people. So you know, do your best to encourage and equip everybody and then really uh, be the biggest fan of the ones who respond. Be their fan, be their coach, be their biggest cheerleader and uh, just rejoice as they grow and serve because you'll see them grow as they respond in that way. Yeah, sometimes nice. it's um, surprising who the people are who are responding. It's maybe mm-hmm. not the ones that you would think would mm-hmm. be the ones. Yeah, a lot of people who seem to have the most natural talent, you'd say, oh, he's going to be a great leader. Like, they're just not interested. Are they so busy with other things? Right. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, a lot of people who really do have the gifting to do well spiritually and, and really would offer the church a lot <clears throat> are just busy. You know, they don't have time. Uh, they don't make time ready to serve in that way. All right, one other idea that came out of this, at least the fourth one today, every generation has a new great commission. You think of Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20. We have that great commission to go and, and make disciples. Well, one of the things that came out is every generation has to accept that commission. There always, there's another generation coming and the last generation at some point in time can't, can't do it. Sometimes because the disconnect between generations is so great. Sometimes because the generation just dies out. Um, but really, it's because each generation reaches its own generation the best. Mm-hmm. They understand it better. They're, they're part of it. They have the same life flow. So every generation has to accept that great commission to be disciple makers. So this is part of that challenge to be on mission, to... Understand that Jesus came to the earth with a purpose. He, he was very clear in his purpose, and he was very focused. And when he called the uh, disciples, he shared his purpose with the disciples. And ultimately, through the disciples, he shared his purpose with the church. So when we think about who we are, what we're doing, where we are, be clear about your purpose. And I think a lot of times... I don't know, is this, would you agree with this? I, I think a lot of people are not really clear about why they're part of the church. Yeah, or why you should go to church even, yeah. just you're supposed to. Or if you're involved and helping in any way, maybe that's good enough. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, what would you say? Why do most people feel like they need to be part of a church? Tradition? <laughs> their yeah. parents told them they should. Yeah. Yeah, tradition's part of it, whether it's from their parents or when they get saved, he'll tell them you need to be there. I suppose, too, in the back of your mind, you realize it's good for you. Mm-hmm. So it's like taking vitamins. You really should do this. So let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true, too. Yeah, some people feel like it's just good for me. It's, it's part of being spiritual. Mm-hmm. But And both of those, while they're not bad, they fall short of the purpose that Jesus had in building the church. Mm-hmm. And I think if we understand, yeah, your church has a tradition of, of gathering at this time. What's the reason? There's a reason why we have a purpose for gathering together. And sometimes we don't really know what that is. Are we come because we're supposed to or because I feel encouraged or, you know, we have lots of little ways, but they fall short of understanding that Jesus is on mission and this is his team that is carrying that out. Uh, and that the way that we worship God, we understand, well, 
uh, some people understand that our goal is to worship God with all of our life. And the mission is how we do that. And I do think some people say, well, the, the, the goal for the church, the purpose of the church is to glorify God. Okay, that's true. But then the question is, how do we do that? Do we do that by meeting at 1030 Sunday morning and singing three songs and taking up an offering and listening to a sermon and then going home? Did we glorify God in that? It's like, well, maybe part of it did to some degree, but we leave out all of the rest of life where we're supposed to be on mission, and it's being part of that mission of Jesus in the world is how we glorify God. And I think we often fall short of really embracing the mission of of Christ in the world today. Hmm. So understand your purpose, I guess, is the short form of that. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one, short form, three words, empower, equip, release. Uh, I've heard this before, and I've read this before, and I still think it's really, really good. When you think about other people, particularly if you're more of in a leadership role. So whether that's a Sunday school teacher, a uh, pastor, or leader of a small group, your group, your goal is these three things, empower, equip, and release. So empower is make sure people understand they have not just the freedom, but the responsibility to, to serve, to follow Jesus. Empower them to read the Bible themselves and to obey it. You know, you don't have to have somebody sit beside you and tell you, oh, this is what this means and this is what you should do about it. And sometimes we wait for that. Don't wait for that. You can read the Bible yourself. And when you see things in your life that you need to change, you can change them. You don't need permission to do that. If you've read the Bible and you've prayed about it and you feel like God's calling you to to make that change in your life, make that change. So empower people to be obedient to Scripture. Empower people to invest in the lives of others. Uh, You don't have to wait until someone gives you permission to to encourage that uh, teen over there. You can talk to them and encourage them. Uh, You can be involved in, in discipling them at some level. So empower people to serve and equip them. So when you think about empowering them, you're giving them the motivation, encouragement to do it, but also along the way, give them the skills. So sometimes I feel like we don't do skill training in church very well. As a church body, we say that you should do this, and here's the things that you should do, but then we don't actually have the training time where we equip people to do it. And then we wonder why they don't do it, because often they don't feel like they can. They don't really know how that works. Say, so, well, you can uh, share the gospel, but we don't actually go through skill training and talk about how to answer certain questions. Or So you can lead a small group, but then we don't go through small group leadership classes. Or you can teach a Sunday school class. It was like, well, there's no Sunday school teacher cl- training. So well, you just go with this other, other teacher for a while and watch what they do. Well, maybe they're terrible at it too, and they just got stuck <laughs> with it 20 years ago. They've been doing it ever since. Well, to have some kind of skill training, we're equipping mm-hmm. people. And then releasing is giving the freedom just to, for people to follow, for people to make mistakes, for people to try, for people to learn and grow, uh, to release people for ministry. So I guess my encouragement here for, for all of us is don't seek or hold on to power. The, the authority is, is Jesus. It's his church. Uh, give those around you freedom to serve, freedom to grow, freedom to use their gifts, and rejoice when they do. And I think that the church would be better off for that. Next one, uh, maybe thinking about people with problems, it's because we know lots of people with problems, um, and most of us are people with problems, so <laughs> don't try to be a savior. Lead people to Jesus. You know, it's uh, often we look at people who are struggling and we say, well, I just need to fix their problems. I need to fix them. They're broken. Let me fix them. You can't fix them. 
you're not the Savior. You need to lead people to Jesus. He's the one that actually can change people and fix the problems. You can't do it. You might can put a Band-Aid on it. You might can slow down the bleeding. <laughs> but you can't fix their problems. Even if, and if in some way you make them think that their problems are fixed and you did it, you can guarantee it's not going to last. It didn't fix the problem. So make sure that what you're doing when you're discipling someone, when you're encouraging them, when you're trying to help someone, is not answering all their questions with what you know, but you're leading them to the Savior, to the Jesus, who can actually answer their questions. People don't need you. They need Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't see that. Yeah, I still need to learn that because I want to help people. That's kind of my spiritual gift, I think, is helping and being, I don't know, seeing a need and trying to fix it. But yeah, I think too often I think, well, this worked for me in the past, so this should work for you. But that's not really helpful. Yeah, it's kind of stopping short of the actual goal because we want to make them feel better and not be resting with this problem today. Jesus wants to make them like himself. He wants to make them holy and righteous and uh, prepare them for a life of service and ultimate worship and fellowship with God. So his goal is way higher. And we often just like, I just want them not to be miserable all the time or not to make me miserable. Often, <laughs> often that's her goal. It's like, I just want them not to bother me anymore. And if they stop that, well, they're fine. <laughs> and that's not his goal. So if we can lead them to Christ, he continues to work well beyond where we feel like it's done. He's still growing them in Christ-likeness. I think it's important to recognize what our role is and what Jesus's goal is and to lead them to him. All right, next. A couple of just, I don't know, I don't want to say random, but the keys to disciple-making. Some, some thoughts when we think about uh, making disciples, being a disciple, discipleship. It's, we often think about it and we just feel like, well, it's, it can be overwhelming. But really, it is simple. Um, close proximity, and by that I mean you, you need to be in a kind of relationship with somebody. You have to be able to, um, to talk to them, to communicate, get to know them. That relationship is really, really important. And really close enough so that, so that you share life together at some level, even if it's not actually walking side by side, you're not working together, you're not out in the garden together like you might be with a child or something, but you're close enough that you're talking about all of life and you understand where they are. They understand where you are. You're sharing the struggles. There's a certain degree of transparency in that kind of relationship. So it's not like the checkout clerk at Walmart where you have no idea who they are, but you know their name because it's on their tag. <laughs> and you might can guess something about them by looking at them. But there's no communication. There's no relationship. There actually is a relationship. You know uh, what they're, what's going on. You know what they're struggling with. Uh, you know kind of through them, their family a little bit, and you get to uh, to really to know them. So that relationship is is really key. It's, it's not complicated. It's just primarily time and conversation, right? And then with that, bringing God's Word into the relationship. And if you can do those two things, really you, you've given a platform for disciple-making to take place in both of your lives. You have, you have your life, which gives you lots of fodder for I have troubles. And that's true for all of us all the time. I'm always going to have things that I'm 
I'm concerned about, I'm, I'm recognizing a need to grow, I'm struggling with, you're going to have that. So we get together with someone else who also has all that, and then you bring God's Word and set it in the middle. Then you say, how can we together pray for each other and look at God's Word together and help each other see how God is answering our prayers and how God is working to answer our, uh, our problems and how God is looking not to answer them, but to use them to grow us. So if you have that conversation, then you're in a good place. And say, well, I don't know exactly how to do that. There is no exactly how to do that. It's like, let's look at God's Word and let's look at our life and say, what does God say that relates to these things? And let's try to do what God's Word says and be uh, seeking the things that He tells us to seek and recognize He's at work. And, you know, that is um, a really a great way to do it. I mean, you're trying to fix the problem, you know, but it brings hope, I think, instead of just hashing and rehashing the problems and our worries, and this person said that, and this is happening. And, you know, when you're always focused on that, even if you pray, it's just kind of like, Ugh. but if you bring the Bible in there too, and I think knowing somebody else understands what I'm going through and we're all praying on about this together, it kind of bolsters you and gives you a little bit of bright light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. Yeah, a little bit of hope. Yeah. 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 And just to know that you're going through it with someone else and that they know you. So it's, it is kind of just keeping God at the center. You know, you're, you're focused on your own spiritual growth because you, you know you need to change, but you're inviting this other person in to that relationship and, and encouraging them to, to grow as well and looking how the things that God has taught you maybe can help them, the things that they're learning might can help you. So it really, it doesn't have to be, um, it's just not necessarily complicated. You know, we can look at it and go, it just seems so complicated. Well, it's, it's really not. It's like, here are two broken people and we're looking at God's word together and saying, you know, God really loves us. And he's using all these broken pieces to make something beautiful. And let's encourage and pray for each other as we uh, just examine how God does mm-hmm. that. And, and know that God's, God's going to accomplish something great. And ultimately, he will finish his work. So it is often hard because mm-hmm. people are broken <laughs> and have all just sharp edges. And we, we cut each other and you know, we cause bruises and that's just part of it. So... But every day, you, you make choices that make following Jesus easier or harder. Every day, you make choices that draw you closer to people or further away. And really, it's in this life of choices that you're learning to follow Jesus, that you're growing, that you're in places that are difficult of your own making, and that, that you're able to learn something that helps you and that helps someone else. And the process of helping someone else, you recognize something about yourself. I mean, it's, it really is hard but it's not necessarily complicated. I think we, we often overcomplicate it. So my final encouragement, I suppose, for today is just be intentional. You know, put Jesus first, really pursue him, love those around you. Um, and in the middle of loving those around you and struggling with things, choose joy and keep running. Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T-A-L-K at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.